Well, hello everyone out there in the podcast world, YouTube nation. I'm Dewey Steffen, host of the What Do We Do podcast, and we're back with another guest episode. Welcome to What Do We Do, a podcast discussing wealth management and financial planning, featuring key leaders in our communities, hosted by founder and CEO of Great Lakes Wealth, Dewey Steffen. Tune in to hear how you can plan for and live your your best, best life. life. Well, today's guest actually needs no introduction to our listeners and our viewers in Metro Detroit. He is the most recognized name in investigative reporting in the state of Michigan. My friend, Mr. Hank Winchester, thanks for being here. What's up, my man? Good to see you. Good to see you, too. Well, I appreciate you being here. And besides me actually give you a formal introduction, how about for our listeners and our viewers, you just kind of tell us about you know yourself, and uh, we'll go from there. Because you've known me forever. We've known each other a long time. Long time. We've had mutual friends for a long time, too, which is funny. I so. was going to give a shout-out later to our friend Scott Koning, who we'll, did introduce we'll circle, us. So. We'll circle it back to Scott. Let's do that. Uh, but thank you. you. You said it all. I mean, I wish you were like negotiating my contract right now. That sounded really nice. <laughs> well, if I could get a piece of that action, I mean, as a oh, financial please. advisor, let's you, go. You don't want that. Uh, no, I've been with WDAV for uh, 20, almost 22 years now. Isn't that crazy how things just like fly by? Like it just time just like it like goes at warp speed. So 22 years there. And in that time have had the opportunity to play a lot of different roles there. It's a great station. Uh, was in Miami before that. A few other, you know, in TV, you got to start small. Do you know how small I started in TV? Please do tell. The Upper Peninsula. I, was in, I was in Marquette. Oh, wow. Had never crossed the bridge. and Drove up there with everything I own, which all fit into a Ford Explorer, and took a job as uh, like a producer, a writer, a photographer. I did the weather. I did the whole thing. I did that for like a Did you ever years. go to that state park and jump off those rocks into Lake Superior? Pictured rocks? Yeah, you have to. Oh, not the pictured rocks, but at Marquette, there's the oh, yeah, yeah. The, uh, state park, and then you jump off the cliff I don't remember jumping off a cliff, but, okay. I, I, <laughs> but I remember the park. Okay. And listen, Marquette was beautiful. I mean, I was only there for like eight months, but that's how TV starts. You know, you, you do all these little tiny, tiny TV stations, and you bounce around, and then eventually you fit. You find your fitting. And, and I did with WDIV. It's been great. Well, we're going to circle back to that because you've been 21, 22 years now, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, that usually doesn't happen because you would go on to even bigger and better things. And we will get to that later because that's very yeah. important. And it shows your commitment to the community. So although you bounced around, I believe, uh, born and raised in Michigan? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, born in uh, Royal Oak, Beaumont. I'm a Beaumont baby. And we lived in Troy uh, throughout some of my childhood. And then my dad got transferred. We lived in Saginaw. Uh so uh, then TV went to Central, then TV took me from Marquette to Lansing to Flint. I mean, I've, I kind of, I've done the state, you know, if you will. But um, What made you go to Miami or to Florida? Miami Florida? was an agent uh, that was like, you know, you have to hit a top 20 market. You got to get to a big market. Da, 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 da. I mean, we were, I couldn't get anything on my own. So like I was sending out, ta I would send out a hundred tapes a week and Every station that wanted me was like Salt Lake City. I guess I have a Mormon vibe to me. <laughs> so like Salt Lake City was really into like the Aryan look. And then uh, like places like Spartanburg, South Carolina. I'm like, I can't. I need to like get to a big market. And then I hired this local agent, Mort Meisner. And uh, big shout out to Mort. Do you know, know Mort, Mort as oh, yeah, well, that's right. for you sure. Know Mort. Yeah. yeah. And through Mort and then through a few other people, it, it ended up clicking. And, and I got down to Miami and I felt like. This is like 
the real deal. Like it was a big deal. But the great thing about Miami is there was a competing news director at another station who ended up coming to Detroit. So when I was ready to come up to Detroit, I actually came up here for an interview at a different station. But I was like, you know what? I might as well call everybody in town. What year was this? 2001. Okay. It was the summer of 2001. And so I, I was up here to interview at Channel 62, which I think was Channel 50 at the time. And it was with Kristen Bell's dad, Tom Bell, Fantastic. who was news director. Uh, and then I was like, you know, screw it. I'm just calling up four, seven, two. I'm here. If you want to interview me for free, you don't have to fly. I'm here. And and Deborah's assistant news director, who also came from Miami, was he, he had a lot of energy like you. He's like, hey, bro, what's up, man? Where are you from? Like that. You don't sound like that fully. Just, you know, appreciate you understand the energy. Appreciate it for sure. So uh, the minute I threw out Miami, he's like, come on, let's have lunch. You free tomorrow? And so, and then just like when I met with them, it just kind of clicked. And, and I was like, this is, this could be good. And uh, they didn't have necessarily the job that I envisioned in that moment. Um, but I think sometimes you just have to go out of your comfort zone and then kind of figure it all out. So that's what happened, you know? Yeah, um, and your family ties are um, you know very important to you, and they were very important to you. Um, I think your entire way along the way. So I've heard stories about you and your mom, and yeah. you and your father as well. But uh, yeah. maybe talk a little bit about your family. Who's telling you these stories? Listen, I'm the investigative reporter <laughs> today. Okay, I'm the investigative reporter today. I didn't like the idea when I got here, and you're like, I reached out to Karen Drew, and I'm like, don't reach out to Karen Drew. Yeah. she's. I mean, she's my best friend, but she's just got too many stories to tell. Well, fast fact, I did reach out, and she did not return my call. Oh, I okay? kind of like that. Just so you know. Oh, Okay, good. All right. Okay, that's good. How do you say how do you say it in the show? I reached out for comment and there was none given. No or reply. No wow. reply. Okay. Yeah. All right. She well, ghosted me. Damn. Do you believe that? I would imagine uh, how did you reach out to her? Which uh, form of media? Yes. So I actually DM'd her. Well, that's, on a, Instagram. that's a disaster. Time out because she's, she's replied got to my DMs before. guys sending her DMs saying, Can I have a picture of your feet? I okay. mean, like, you can't. So then, Instagram is a So nightmare. then she has on Facebook, she has an email that you can click on. And I didn't want to bother you because I wanted to was be. Was it email. her work email? No, I think it was a Gmail. I'd have to go back. And certainly I could have got, you know, her mm. digits. I could have I could have got to yeah. her 100 percent But sure. I wanted to kind of make this like, you know, organic, organic. if you want it. Yeah. So I found a few other people that Interesting. Uh, filled in her uh, you know, her busyness yeah. didn't slow me down, Karen. K next Drew. time. Man, come on, K Drew. Um, yeah, I mean, for me, it was, uh, I, I don't know. I think there's something about growing up here, right? Like if you're from Metro Detroit, you're always the underdog who loves Metro Detroit and people talk smack about it. You're like, come on, you know, this is my town. And so I got back here and I thought like, oh, I'll be here for a couple of years. But, um, I fell in love with Detroit again. I just fell in love with it. And, um, the resurgence that we've seen, downtown especially in the last decade when i came back here i was like i'm living downtown i'm gonna be a city boy well i was trying to live in back downtown. in 2001 there was nothing there right i was trying to live in a loft in downtown detroit and i'm like I'm, i want to do this i want this like urban feel and i mean it was what it was but there was nothing there right. and then to see what it's become and now it's like now i'm too old and i have a kid and dogs i can't like i can't be that city person even though i know some people can but I love that I work downtown and, and I know you're downtown every single day. We both are. And to see what our city has become is like, it almost makes me emotional because it's incredible to see that transformation. So I fell in love with Detroit again. And then I kind of like stopped being a smart ass, 
you know, I'm allowed to swear, right? Absolutely. I start, sure. I stopped being like kind of a shithead and was like trying to escape. Like I'm getting away from my family, I'm getting away from everybody. And then you realize like, man, you're so lucky to have a family. So I was like, I came home and I was just like, it felt nice to be able to do Christmas. So when you, when you work back, on TV, you don't have a lot of opportunity to get away for stuff. Yeah. Well, so when you came back, did you live downtown? I did for a year. Okay. And then I was like, I can't, there's not, <laughs> there's not anyone here. <laughs> there were not people. I mean, you remember that, right? I, well, I was thinking you might've gone and moved back in with your parents. No. You know what I'm saying? And, uh-uh, uh, and no. base, you meant that basement guy. No, you know? by then my mom was living in Saginaw. My dad had already died. Like, so, so there was, th- that wasn't going to work, but I, you know, then I started my migration into the burbs and I mean, it was fine, but I just always, and I live, you know, in a suburban community right now in Oakland County, but I always have to have a foot within the city. You know, I, I love being in Detroit every single day. And, you know, if, if, if circumstances were a little bit different and I, you know, uh, I think these lofts are incredible, but I'm really lazy. And I'm like, I don't want to get the stroller and drag my kid down. Like people in New York do it every day. It's no big deal. People in Detroit, I'm like, no, I can't do that. So, uh, but I love it. I love being in Detroit. You didn't think that uh, the winters here versus the winters in Miami, because a lot of people, when they leave Detroit, they yeah. don't come back and they start by going to Chicago. I don't even know why a lot of people yeah. do that because it's not that much different. I mean, maybe it is a little, but yeah. not anymore, as you just said. But then when they head west or they head south, it's really hard to yeah. get them to come back. So yeah. I think the thing, I mean, especially now, everybody thinks Miami is like, and Miami is like, it's next level. It's crazy. And when I lived there, it was just starting its major resurgence. It just became like Ricky Martin and J-Loville. You know what I mean? It was growing. But the thing about Miami that I didn't like and the thing that I love so much about Detroit is you can stop in almost any neighborhood in Detroit and you can find somebody who like went to the corner with their grandparents or was at a Lions game with their, you know, great uncle when they were, you don't get that in Miami. Miami is very transient. So there's not like this community. There's this community of like party and all this other stuff. And I mean, there, there are, you know, some parts of Miami that are more deeply rooted, but like, I feel like Detroit's one of those places where there's just a soul and a connection to people and places that you don't get anywhere else. I really yeah. do. Yeah, I'd agree with that 100%. Yeah. Well, that's a great segue into uh, the journalism and what, you know, made you take that course and, uh, you know, get involved and uh, how did it actually, you know, I don't know, get those roots with you? It was, um, well, I mean, my mom, I can remember being really young and my mom um, worshipped Bill Bonds, like, in a kind of a creepy way. And, and years later, so you went to work for Mort Krim. So I went to work for Mort Krim, (laughs) but I remember years, years, years later, there was like a, some event somewhere and I brought my mom and Bill Bonds was there and she like went kind of like, she like ghosted. She like freaked out and I'm like, Oh my God, it's Bill Bonds. But it was, it was just because when I grew up watching the six o'clock news with my family was just something you did. You know, there were, and, and then there was a conversation about the six o'clock news afterwards. And then we would always watch, you know, nightly news. And then there was a conversation about those world events. And it was just, I think it was very important for my parents as a part of their connection to the community. And I can remember there was this reporter at WNEM in Saginaw. His name was, uh, it was either Jay Brander or Jim Kirsten. I can't remember which one it was. But he left, he, he did a story where he left Saginaw and went to Washington, D.C. for something. Now, remember, I'm like seven or eight, right? But he went there, and because of what he did, 
they changed some legislation or something happened. And it was really because of the power of that microphone. And I thought, wow, like, look at that. He went and made a difference. And he was able to do that because of his position within this television station. Like you can actually do good. And I think for me, it was just very much organic. There was never a question in high school or college about what I was going to do. I knew what I was going to do. I didn't know what form it was going to take, but I knew it was going to be somehow in that medium. I just didn't know like how the road would work itself out, which is probably good. Well, that's great. And it's a great uh, intro into the world of Hank Winchester. And we're going to get more into it. But first, I want to thank everyone for tuning in, ask you to download, share, subscribe, uh, leave a comment, uh, hit the thumbs up. Uh, with all of your efforts, you know, we will continue to share and have amazing guests and great stories and also talk a little bit about investments and finance along the way as well. So again, thank you for tuning into this episode. And back to it, Hank, um, let's talk about your progression at uh, WDIV uh, Local 4. Yeah. Um, the industry overall, we're going to talk about a little bit later too for all of our watchers and our listeners that want to, might want to get into journalism, et cetera. But just let's talk about your path where you started out, uh, you know, pushing the broom and now you're uh, this big time celebrity in town. Huge celebrity. <laughs> My security details outside. Uh, I mean, I've done every single job you can do and worked every single shift. In fact, Paul Gross just retired yesterday as our meteorologist. And he was like, do you Congratulations remember? to Paul. Paul Gross, Celebration. Great guy. Booyah. And he was like, do you know that we'd anchored Christmas together for 13 years in a row? I'm like, I have no memory. I mean, I remember I anchored a lot but with him on Christmas. But I'm like, I didn't know it was that long. But I've done every single... And I think that's true for anybody in whatever career they choose or job they do. You have to be willing to do everything, right? You're not going to walk in and be Devin Skillian or Mort Krim. You have to do... Uh, and I'm still never going to be those people. But you have to be able to be flexible and do whatever you have to do. So in the smaller markets, I was editing, I was producing, I was reporting... I tried to be a photographer, but I was really bad. So that, that worked out good for me because those jobs are really hard. But then at WDIV, they didn't even have like a set reporter job open when I got here. The, Deborah Kalora called me in Miami and she said, you know, I have this investigative producer job, but I might be able to segue you later or figure it out. The 50 thing wasn't clicking. Tom Bell wasn't calling me back. I'm like, shit, I really want to get back. So I took that and then within like a year... Started reporting full-time, then became uh, got thrown into our investigative unit, Defenders. And then there was this segment called Ruth to the Rescue that Ruth Spencer had done incredibly successfully for 25 years. And she called me and she said, I'm going to tell uh, our general manager at the time, I'm going to tell her that I'm going to be retiring soon. I'm going to let her know in a few months. But I'm telling you now in under confidence because I would like you to carry on this franchise and and. To me, that was like an incredible moment because she trusted me and and I knew that her influence would mean something to them. And so then it just became like a, a scramble for a few months about what we were going to name it, how we were going to do it, the transition of it all. And that was probably, I don't know, five, six years ago. So that's what I've been doing now. Help me, Hank. Called Help Me Hank. I was going to yeah. throw that in there in case uh, you didn't drop that, uh, you know, little tidbit there. Help Me yeah. Hank. And that's a huge segment, again, um, for the community. It's great for WDIV Channel 4 and for you, but you help so many people. So if we can talk about Help Me Hank for a minute. Um, you know, I guess walk through the last, like you said, five or six years in terms of, I don't know, the best story, the worst story, maybe just again, you know, what, what it's meant to you from a whatever different angle. Yeah, I think for me, it's just uh, I was kind of at the point journalistically where I was like, I can't do the, the gloom and doom anymore. You know, I had done almost 20 years of 
every possible homicide, fire, everything. You sat through the biggest trials, the Kwame, the Bob Becheras, and they were all incredible. It was amazing to watch and be a part of, but I was just kind of burned out. And I thought there's got to be more to it. And so the great thing about what I get to do now is I really just kind of get to fight for the everyday person, right? Everybody's struggling. Everybody, you know, is trying to make ends meet, figure it out. The last thing people want to do is be screwed over by a contractor, a landlord, a bad dude. So when we have these opportunities to make things right for people that would be able to do it on their own, it's really the most rewarding thing. You know, I mean, it, I get, nothing makes me more frustrated than when I see like a slumlord taking advantage of people or like a contractor. I just met this woman in uh, Trenton last week and she, you know, a senior, she's on a fixed income. She saved up for a year to have a tree taken down a thousand dollars. The guy took the cash and ran, Well, we're going to find that guy. And maybe he's not going to give her the money back. I mean, that's the intention, but he'll get exposed. Like you're, you're just not going to do that to people. And so I think that being able to provide that service and know that we're kind of the only game in town that's doing it is, uh, for me, it's incredibly rewarding. I think it's been good for the station too. Does it get frustrating though, because law enforcement or I don't know, the community, the the people that are supposed to be doing this protecting and serving, whatever it might be. Um, it could be again, you know, the landlord of the, you know, apartment building, but, um, I've always thought, you know, it's great that you're there. It's great that there is an advocate for these people, but it's a bummer. And again, whether it's Detroit or, you know, LA, or Miami again resources obviously there's things that you know unsolved yeah. murders to, yeah. but so you know how do you how do you comment on I just, think it's I, I mean I think it's about building relationships like I have a great relationship with Dana Nessel who's very quick to to get on things for me when I need her to or for local police but I think that for the everyday citizen kind of reaching out to these people I mean a lot of them are, are very thin staffed right now police departments are you know dealing with unfortunately a lot of crime um, and, and the consumer-related crime kind of takes a lower uh, level of importance compared to somebody with a gun to their head, you know? So it's like they, they only have so much they can do. So I kind of think of it as, you know, me reaching out to an investigative agency, whether it be in the AG's office or police or detective or whoever it is, and say, hey, can I help you with this? Like, I know what you've done on your end, and I know what you're going to do once we get to A, B, and C, but is there a way we can work together? And I think just because I've been around so long and, and I've known these people for so long, there's this kind of a trust that it's going to be done the right way. So they so, don't usually, like, say, get out of our office, we'll deal with this, no. move away, or they're very uh-huh. uh, very good to partner with? No, they're very, they're they're for the most part, I mean, I can't say every single day it's a walk through the park. I mean, there are some that are just kind of like, okay, we don't want the TV stuff, like, chill out. But uh, I think that there's a, a power that comes with the TV part of it. You know, nobody wants to be known as the bad guy, right? So it's one thing to, like, kind of go up to somebody as a consumer and have it out with that person one-on-one. It's an entirely different story when you're showing that person's face on television and his entire network of people is going to know that he ripped off this little old lady in Trenton who just spent her life savings to take a tree down, you know? So it motivates them to make it right, I think, in some scenarios. So uh, I certainly don't use it necessarily as an intimidation tool, but I think uh, if it can be used the right way, it it should be. I would imagine, too, as I'm just now thinking it through, uh, for the average, you know, citizen out there, reaching out to your hotline is probably... um, 
less uncomfortable yeah. than calling 911 or the police department and just they just have like a, an anxiety and intimidation and yeah. that's not a negative way just i think it's maybe an easier call hey can you know yeah. can you help me cuz you're a you're a you know an advocate and a friend you're not i'm not stepping on any toes i'm not shaking it's not important enough it's not a murder so i really don't know if i should even reach you know reach out sure so. sure or they might feel like you know if they call the police station is there a record of it you know it's kind of a scary thing but yeah. like you know, that's why we've tried to make it as easy for people as possible. And all that information is at clickondetroit.com. But they can, you know, go to the Help Me Hank page. There's obviously the tip line they can call. They can email. They can hit us on social media. We have our opportunities now. We're usually once every other week. We actually go into a community and we happen to a restaurant. And we just say, hey, we're going to be here. If you want to come talk, I'm going to be there for X amount of time. So we try to make it as kind of organic as possible as, as much as it can be. You know, Madonna is a brand. I think Hank is a brand because How are it, we getting to Madonna? Because it was it was Help Me Hank and this new one is called Hear Me Out Hank. Yeah. So as long as it's just Hank. Okay, so Oh, I see what okay, you're saying. Okay, so okay. it's just Hank. But okay. you know I'm a gigantic Madonna fan. Right? I I was gonna I'm a little worried and this is where I need your financial advice. As you know, Dewey, she is kicking off her 40th anniversary celebration tour. Heard about that. Tickets are a little cray cray, right? But I almost feel like the ticket price in Detroit's going to be a lot lower, but I have to hit multiple cities. So I, I need you to do a little digging. And outside of Detroit, I need you to see where I'm going to get the most bang for my buck. I think I have to stick to the Rust Belt, right? <laughs> I don't think I can go coast because at Madison Square Garden, LA, this, can we change the focus of the sure, podcast? Now sure, I am now StubHub. That's fantastic. I am now your uh, ticket Now, the master. only thing I do not like about her, there are a few things, but number one, and, and I know this it gets with some people, is I wish she had a greater appreciation for where she came from. That part bothers me. She did me. back in the day. I think she did back in the day. I don't she know. did her. Uh, she did her truth or dare from the Townsend in Birmingham. Yeah, but she. That's just because it just happened to be a tour stop. It wasn't like she was like I have to be. You know, like she she's dog Detroit over the years. Okay. And I'm just kind of like, listen, it's okay. where you're like it made you who you are in a way. Okay. I appreciate to to bring it back to work and finance. The one thing I really appreciate her more than anything is that she is a workhorse. Mm -hmm. Like she has consistently for years and years and years like worked. That's it's. I was talking about this with somebody yesterday, and I can't remember who we were talking about Taylor Swift or Britney, some, some pop, whatever. But I was like, anyone that can stay relevant for X amount of time, that takes some work, you know, like it, it, it that, that's like, that's some stuff. You know Even I mean? when you, um, get to the top of the mountain, and yeah, then you do move to another country yeah. to just kind of get away yeah. yet you're still relevant because even when you're working at maybe half of your speed, yeah. it's still double most people's speed. Yeah. Right. So that's where you become the goat G O A T. Have you heard of this? Well, Tom Brady was, the, isn't that where it all started from or no? Well, that's, he's one of them. Yeah. I mean, you know, you might be the goat one day here in uh, Metro Don't Detroit. That's you know, you're happen. still too young. Tom Brady said he's retiring again. Do you yes. Do you think he's really done? I do this time. Yeah, for sure. Why now? Now he already got rid of the wife who didn't want him to do it anymore. And now he's not married and now he's not going to do it. Just do it. Who cares? He, he did it last year. But she didn't want him to do it. And that was part of, do you not go to TMZ, Dewey? <laughs> Help me, Hank. Help me, Hank. Where do I go? Hear me out, Hank. I don't know. Uh, 
I, I read somewhere actually that uh, Paige Sporanic, if you know who she is, yes. and Tom Brady are uh, trying to get together. That's oh. the that's the rumor. She's the golf girl, right? Yeah, that all you boys follow on the Instagram. Yes, yes, I don't. Fast fact, but I heard that sure. uh, Paige and Tom would be a perfect couple out there in mm. uh, in uh, the world. So I have no idea, and I'm not uh, spreading any rumors. Yeah. I'm just telling you what I heard. There you go. Okay. Yeah. Um, let's get back on track. Okay. No. <laughs> <laughs> we know we know Madonna has you know troubles and she has again we her own do. concerns. She'll call you and say, "Help me, Hank. I'm oh, Madonna." Yeah. Right. I don't know but let's that. talk about back to uh, the citizens in not just the community of Detroit and uh-huh. even Metro Detroit or even Michigan, but you know, just what are the biggest challenges you see facing consumers today? What do you hear about? And then how can they protect themselves? I think it's the stuff that you deal with every day. I think people are freaking out over money. I think they are freaking out. And you you love to tease me about this because I talk to you about it all the time. People are panicked about the price of eggs. Now, that's just a metaphor for what it, what everything means financially. But when you are now paying possibly double uh, for your home mortgage because rates went from like two and a half to... This happened to myself. I had a, a, a locked in at like a 2.7 and then I had to buy a house last summer and I got up to almost five and a half percent, you know? So... Um, people are just really worried about how they're going to make it through the month. And, and look at airfares. I mean, just look at everything. And I think the real concern for people now is things got so high that they're never going back to normal. Like this is just kind of where we are now. Right. So you have to figure it out. And I think that for me, having an opportunity to interview people like you who can give them advice on how to kind of deal with the new realities of life. And then also there's, you know, there's great people on Instagram and, and different local people who we have found who are like, kind of like, it sounds goofy, but like the coupon King and Queens, like this is like the world you have to deal with. Now you have to figure out how to fight for your money. I mean, that's really what it's coming down to. You have to be really smart about it. So I think right now, especially in the last year, that's the number one thing people are worried about. They're worried about money, which for me, when I hear about the old lady getting her $1,000 taken and knowing that that's her, I interviewed a woman yesterday, uh, Mike Bouchard put out an alert about fake police scams, people calling saying, you're under, uh, you're going to face prosecution unless you pay up right now. Well, this woman in, what city was she in? Inkster spent $400 to avoid the cops coming over, bought the money cards. I tell people all the time not to do it. That was her last $400. That was her money. That was it. So for me to be able to warn people about the scam or for you to be able to help provide information about what they should do financially for their next step, I think it's invaluable. Don't you think? I mean, right now people are just, you. even though you might be dealing with people that have you know, more disposable income or who are kind of preparing for retirement, aren't they scared about what's happening financially? Everyone is concerned, yeah. yes. And so, again, with age comes wisdom. Yeah. And uh, and we talk about not just in investments, but, you know, in the cycles of life. You know, if you don't learn from history, you're doomed to repeat it. Yeah. Or there's economic cycles and there's business cycles. And so part of, you know, what we just came from, 2.7 mortgages and all of these things that were super duper cheap, yeah. that's, that wasn't normal either. And so yeah. people, again, I think just... Um, 
we talked about this earlier. I think people just become, you know, entitled. They just believe that everything is supposed to be, you know, for free and everything is just yeah. not without consequence. Yeah. So again, eight, okay, so eggs have gone from 50% to 150% increase. Got it, right? But you're still having a, what, $8 latte and a $5 right. pack of gum. Right. Right. And you think that, you know, that's okay too. And you can go get a, you know, make your own coffee for 79 cents at your house. Right. So I just think there's a, there needs to be a reset. Um, your parents, I didn't know. Your grandparents, I didn't know. But their generations, I know. Yeah. They struggled. They yeah. really, they were savers. They yeah. were, you know, not just frivolous. And I'm not saying that we're all frivolous. But also through mankind, every generation has become um, you know, more well off and more wealthy than yeah. the prior one. So yeah. there's just these different, you know, levers that are always being pulled. Yeah. And so it's certainly a deep conversation. Then it's family by family. And, you know, you could talk about the price of going to college and is college even worth it anymore? And so, you know, the evolution of time and, um, you know, I guess generations, it just, it's always moving around. There's, you, you brought up a great point though. There's this entitlement I think that we have nowadays. Like I was just talking to a good friend of mine this morning and unfortunately he just realized he got riddled with a gigantic tax bill because he screwed something up. And then in the next breath, he's like, so we're flying down to Key Largo next month and we have this place for seven days. I'm like, wait a minute, bro. Like, holy, this is like America, man. You've, you're in complete debt, but you're like planning this $10,000 vacation, you know, like take care of the debt. And then take a year off on the beach. You know what I mean? But like, we all have this idea of like, well, we deserve that. We should get that. Or we were used to prices being that low. But but I think it's, you know, beyond the eggs is I like to hammer on. But I mean, when it starts affecting your home mortgage and the price of your vehicle, like those are big ticket items that cost a lot of money. And again, you need to um, just balance your budget and understand what your you know what your world is. I bought my first home back heck a long time ago, nineteen ninety. How old were you when you bought your first house? 26, 27 wow, years old. Good, yeah, yeah. Um, and I started before that by uh, moving out and having roommates, and we all you know chipped in on the rent for yeah. the house that we were renting, and yeah. then just kind of decided that I would buy one and have roommates that shared space with me. And um, now you know, podcast listeners, podcast viewers know I have children. One is away at school, and um, I will spill the beans. He's a sophomore and has his own apartment. Living on his own as a sophomore. Like, what happened to having roommates and really buckling down and grinding? And he's like, Dad, I've had my own job. I'm paying my own way. I''t like, I know, but you can't just you be put it. You can't yeah. just be put it into investments and this and that. But you can say. And again, so a lot of life is also you know learning. Yeah. So you have to again have these opportunities to just figure it out. And maybe yeah. living on your own is a good thing. Maybe just for me it was different. But my point with that was uh, my first mortgage. I think was a seven percent thirty year okay. fixed mortgage. Yeah. We're not even really there yet. And it was yeah. again, let's call it. Two years ago, okay, yeah. was it just two years ago? No, yeah. just, you know, decades ago. So, um, you have to just kind of understand what things cost. And back then, I was talking to my friends. We were in our you know mid twenties, ones that were in medical school. They're like, "Yeah, I got all my medical school loans paid to me in a lump sum. So I'm gonna go get my own apartment. I'm gonna get a BMW. I'm gonna have a hundred, two hundred thousand of medical school debt. But it'll be okay when I'm a doctor one day. It'll be fine." And so even back then, yeah. twenty plus years ago. It was the same idea as you just shared with your friend. Like, yeah. hey, these credit cards, we'll deal with it later. Yeah. Um, so I just think that until you have to buckle down, yeah. you kind of just you know do what you got to do. And think about our parents paying and thinking it was totally normal, 18 and 20%. Yeah. You know, back in the early oh, you, 80s. Oh, uh, you did some research for uh, for uh, this podcast or for, I don't know, financial matters. I mean, seriously, you know that? They were that I high? know some stuff. Yeah. 
Yeah, they were high. Yeah, heck yeah. That's all were. I know. So let's move on back to Madonna. Yeah. <laughs> I got nothing for you. Well, again, so for all of those out there listening, please uh, <laughs> heed what uh, Hank has said that, yes, financial matters are a big, big concern. And during COVID, they weren't because uh, first it was your health. Just yeah. staying alive, the yeah. uncertainty of it all. And then the government, because of the quick shutdown of everything, yeah. the government saved the day or came to the rescue, if you will, sure. and started giving out money, yeah. which again, so you didn't need any money. Sure. And then on top of it, uh, you wouldn't go, there's nothing to do. Yeah. So you had your own money. If you can, some people definitely got laid off. There was, you know, the fastest um, unemployment rate spike ever, yeah. you know, so... But you had money, and then they were giving you money, and then you got you know unemployment plus your money, yeah. and then you had all this money, and right. so free money. Yeah. And then now it's the other way. There's yeah. layoffs. There's 50,000 jobs per month that are disappearing, yeah. and uh, people are like, holy smokes. I want to take that trip to Key West. Yeah. I want that latte. Yeah. And now all of a sudden, the, the deck is changing, and... Uh, and not little jobs. These are like major tech companies that are like cleaning house, you know? So it's terrifying. Yeah. And that's, so. again, labor is the uh, largest input cost for a company. And yeah. 70% usually of the cost to operate a company is labor. So the quickest way to get uh, your financial house in order if you're a company, yeah. get rid of some of your labor. And yeah. that's just the reality. So back to having some savings and having a prudent financial plan. That's what do we do, okay? Um, next up, I'm going to ask about back to... You and Channel 4, and mm -hmm. again, your success, and like you said, it's hard work, a lot of blood, sweat, and tears, and I've known you for a while, mm -hmm. and I've seen some of those, but you know, you are um, someone here that people count on and depend on. You have a newsletter with over 200,000 subscribers. Mm -hmm. um, I know you take it very, very seriously, but how come you've stayed in this market? Why did you not um, take the offers to go to the big, big markets back? to Miami, hit NYC. Well, first of all, okay. Detroit's a bigger market than Miami. There just you go. So on the okay, same fast, fast. Uh, well, yeah. let's start with that. Let's yeah. talk about talk about the top five markets and where does Michigan uh, fall? So when I, for, when I moved here, Detroit was the eighth largest market in the country. It's now, I think, dropped to 13. So, I mean, it was in the top 10. And top the top 10 is, you know, for, from your perspective, is like, that's where like the advertisers like dump in all the national advertisers dump in huge amounts of money. So I know when they dropped out of the top 10, it was problematic, but the reality is, is there's probably 10 local TV stations in the country that are legacy stations that are just like, if you go to the, like people in the industry know what they are. And WDIV is one of them. Actually WXYZ is one of them too. It has a long history of just excellence across the board. So uh, you have to be really smart about, Okay, so maybe I go to New York or go to LA, but are you working for WABC? Because if you're not, not going to be such a good gig. You know, if you're going to LA, are you working for KBABC? If you're not, you know, and like I worked for Graham Media and, and they, it was a family before that it was Post Newsweek Station, still owned by the same family. We are a family owned company by Catherine Graham. Like it's like, you know, where journalism was like rocking the world, like, you know, it, it, with the Washington Post decades ago. So, I think that is that's very rare, and um, and and we just have a great commitment to doing things and doing them the right way. So, sure, there's there could be other cities that you know maybe people want to move to and and hop into a different bigger market, but you have to be careful about it because it's really more about the station. It's about your quality of life. 
With um, your employment or your business, you know, endeavors, do you have a plan where, again, you have goals? I want to, you know, I don't know, go from pushing the broom to having the investigative reporter role to, again, the next, just for me being a lay person, would be to be on the desk, they call it, right? Be yeah. anchoring, anchoring the five, six, and 11 yeah. or whatever it is. So I uh, have pretty much done every single job there can be at Channel 4. Tell and- your colleagues that they're on notice right now. Let's drop a bomb that you're, who do you, who are you going? after nobody I got the best (laughs) gig in the world I got a brand that I love I mean that's it like I anchored weekends for five years and anchoring is a huge responsibility and it's a great job for a lot of people but at the end of the day you're in a studio by yourself and you're in the newsroom for 10 hours a day and you're working with you know the producers and they're great it's a great team I will take being outside any day of the week like I just love like get I loved sitting through court trials I loved like interviewing different people I was at this woman's house yesterday in Redford and she was a good old paisano Italian and she had the cookies and I was just like oh my god this is like good stuff you know like you don't get that if you're in the studio every day you're just kind of in the studio and for some people like to me Devin Skillian is the best local news anchor in the country hands down. I think he is phenomenal and he excels at that. He, 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 he can do great stuff out in the field too. But I mean, that's what he was meant to do. That's not necessarily like my, my deck. You know, plus Devin, I hope, isn't going anywhere for a long time. So Now again, uh, life happens and things change, but uh, you know, do you have aspirations to, again, just stay here and continue to be the role of the investigative reporter and help me, Hank? Or you know, maybe, again, 5, 10, 15 years from now, you would want to do that on a different scale. Or, again, retire from this biz and go um, you know, play your banjo on the beach in Waikiki. My banjo. Uh, is it because my name is Hank Winchester? Does it sound a little country? Uh, <laughs> I just use like a banjo player to me. I don't yeah. know. Uh, no. Uh, my priority, uh, above all of it is my daughter. So I just want to, that's a great answer, my man. I like, that's a great one right there. It is. I love my job, but I love my daughter more than anything alive. So more than anything period. So, uh, wherever she is in life is where I need to be in life. And so for me, it's about guiding her next. She's five. So, you know, I got to get, I got a lot. She just had a birthday. She had several Birthday, yeah, right? birthday week, birthday this month. Girl. She's taking a page right out of Hank's playbook right there. This girl is a diva. So, uh, yeah, that's where my focus is. I mean, the job is great. The work is great. The career is good. But that's where I have to, you know, that's the most important job I have. One year at a time, and that's Emma's year that'll drive this train. Is that it right? Well, I mean, my mom used to say, and she was right, the most important thing that you can do is raise your children right. It's, it's the most important job. So... That's what I got to do. Love that. Yeah. Um, on that note, I want to hear the story about you took your mom to the White House. Did you know that I knew that? How do you know that? Booyah to ya. So if you can uh, Do you know share. the real story about it? I don't. That's why I'm asking. So my mom... Uh, I was something about your first job or just in life, no. just against something in general about the, the discipline and the... I don't know. It was just the, the, well, the, mom, about the, mom, mom. the mom story is pretty funny because she... I think it was like her 80th birthday or 75th. Some... some banner birthday and I bought her as a surprise a trip to Europe right I was going to take her to Europe because she'd never been to Europe but she had this irrational fear of flying across the ocean because she thought she would be the one person in human history that would crash and wouldn't be able to swim 
Okay. So, I'm not kidding. I can't make this crap up. So she's like, I can't go because the plane's going to crash and I don't know how to swim. And I'm like, Our woman, are you kidding me? So we bagged that trip. And I said, if you could make up any other trip that you'd want to do. And she was a big Obama supporter. And she said, I'd like to go to the White House and meet Barack Obama. I'm like, okay, easy. <laughs> so through the wonderful people with the Stabenow office, they created an opportunity for us to go there, right? So my mom was also at this point in life where you're very old and very paranoid about everything. She thought everybody was scamming her. Good to be safe, right? And so um, we get to the airport and she doesn't bring ID. She does, she's like, yeah, I just left it at home. It's no big deal. I'm like, mom, you have to have ID to get on the plane and to get in the White House. And the wonderful people at TSA got us through somehow. I have no idea. We get to Washington and, and, and she's like, well, I don't want to give out my personal information to all these people. I'm like, mom, it's fine. So we, we get somebody to overnight her stuff to her. They, they call uh, from the White House and they're like, hey, we're listen, we're just trying to verify her information for this White House visit. And I'm like, mom, they need your social security number. And she's like, oh, no. I've always been told never to get, I'm like, it is the, the secret service woman. If you want to get into that house right now, I need those digits. So she coughed them up. And then uh, we went through the White House. Barack Obama was there. Um, he was giving a speech that night. And so she did not have an encounter with Barack, but she did have an encounter with Bo Obama. Do you know who Bo is? The dog. The dog. So the dog came through and the dog handler like stopped the dog and she got to pet the dog. And so that was my um, me trying to do a nice trip for my mom. And it was supposed to be in Paris. And we ended up in Washington because she was scared. She wouldn't be. That's a good pivot. Sometimes we talk about in life, you need to pivot, you know, and that's a good pivot. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to take that and take it to the next level, which is the part of the show that I love the most, Hank. This part of the show is instead of what do we do, because everyone does from time to time get sick of hearing what I do. And this is about what you've done so far. Mm -hmm. But now we want to know what Hank do. We want to know what Hank Winchester would tell his 18 year old self or any 18 year olds out there today. Uh, well, when we talked about this earlier, I said I would tell myself to buckle up because it's going to be a ride. Buckle up, buttercup. But, uh, so I would say that, but I would say just, you got to grind, you know, you got to do it. You got to put in the work. It's not going to be handed to you. You got to go out there and do it. And, uh, it will be the most rewarding thing you can ever do in your life. But if you set the goals, if you grind, you're going to be able to get whatever you want in life. Right. Just like you. Hard work pays off what they say. Perspiration is better than inspiration or is it inspiration turns into perspiration or how does it all come together? You have so many one-liners. I can't even keep up with you. I don't, I don't even know. You should put them all in a book. Maybe I will. And then end the book with what? Booyah. (laughs) All right. I'm going to wrap up the show here slowly, but surely. And I would like you to give some advice to those aspiring journalists out there, our Gen Z's, our millennials that want to get into journalism or into anything having to do, you know, with the world that uh, you believe is so near and dear to you. Uh, I think number one, you have to be willing to do anything and nothing grates me more than we would have interns come into the building and I'd say, what do you want to do? And they'd say, I want to be Carmen Harlan. And I'm like, well, that's great. But it took Carmen a long time to become Carmen Harlan. That doesn't happen overnight. So you have to be willing to do everything. Most of us have. uh, And you have to be a good writer. Like at the end of the day, you're going to write all of your own scripts or you should be. um, And you have to be able to do it and you have to do it quickly. So write, 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 and be willing to eat shit and do everything you have to do to 
you know, impress people on your way up because it's a tough business. Well, it's so funny you say that because I've never heard that before, okay? And I'm being facetious and I'm kidding because we've had two other journalists on the podcast. We've Who? had Mike Valenti. Have oh, you heard yeah, of him? Yeah. Yes. And so please, uh, to our audience, go check out his interview. And he said the same exact thing. He started, again, behind the camera, pushing a broom, basically, and yeah. just being there to be told to go do whatever it was. Yeah. And you learn that way. You learn the whole industry, but you have to pay your dues. Yeah. And then the second one was a little more recently, Ben Lyons. You're familiar with Ben? He's yeah. in the New York market. Same thing. Again, you just have to be there, and you have to just be pouring coffee. You have to just be, you know, starting as an intern yeah. and work your way up. And so you are not just uh, talking about it; you've lived it, and you're showing it. You started in this market 20 plus years ago, and you're still here. And yeah. you started um, again at the bottom. In your own words, and now uh, you're not at the top. Your own words, but you're getting there, and every day you're uh, striving for more. I'm good. Fair enough. I'm happy. I'm good. I'm happy. You I'm are good. good I'm happy. Good. I got a happy five-year-old. That's all I need. All right. Well, on that note, I'm going to ask you uh, anything else that you want to share with our listeners, our viewers, your fan club, your fanatics, anybody else? Up there? Fanat yes, I have fanatics. Celebrities, fanatics. Wow. What do you want to tell Madonna if she tunes in and watches uh, Give this Detroit podcast? some love, Madge. Come on. And send me two free tickets. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Well, listen, uh, so much a pleasure of having you on here today, Hank. I really appreciate it. You're a friend. You're a, uh, in a lot of ways, you are a mentor. You are um, you are definitely someone to encourage me. Uh, and uh, to our entire community, you are very much um, a member of this community, no doubt about that. Thank so you, thanks sir. for being on, okay? Thank and you, with that, sir. I want to tell everyone else out there, as I always say, live your best life, be radically generous, a great big booyah to ya. And we just did an episode with Hank Winchester. But we're just getting started. The opinions expressed in this program are for general information purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or any specific security. It's only intended to provide education about the financial industry. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your financial advisor prior to investing. Any past performance discussed during this program is no guarantee of future results. Any indices referenced for comparison are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. As always, please remember investing involves risks and possible loss of principal capital. Please seek advice from a licensed professional.